Podcast Network. My name is Sarah. I'm your host today and I'm joined by Ellie once again. She's back on the pod and Dan's here as well. How are you both? And another on the spot moment for you. What's one key thing you took away from the past two rounds? Um, I'm doing good. Great to finally be back. I think it's been, I don't think it was pre-season last time I was on the pod. So good to be back. Um, And thing to take away from this season is not this season, this weekend. Um, I guess how good's the um I may be biased here, but um how good's like the VNL pathway been? Obviously we've seen Naya Allen um absolutely smash it and she's been smashing it for um Northeast plays down in the VNL for the past few weeks. And then um Rani Samerson, obviously she really was able to turn um sort of get that momentum on um fevers not Fever, sorry, on the Vixen side when um, Fever looked like they were just about to run away with it, but she really came on and switched the momentum. Um, I think my takeaway is how even the competition is this year. And we saw the Swifts push the Vixens all the way a couple of weeks ago. And then we saw the Swifts and the Thunderbirds go toe-to-toe. And just before that, the Thunderbirds had gone toe-to-toe with the Lightning. That's a, you know, from that win, it's about five goals difference between the top and the bottom of them in terms of margin. So this competition's really close and we know teams can string it together. I mean, the Swifts have started to string it together. A couple of months ago, we saw Collingwood string it together. They looked great. Richard had been talking about playing straighter, more direct. They played straighter, more direct, and it looked great. I mean, it was brilliant, but we'll get into that a bit later. Sarah, what have you picked out so far? I have to agree with both of you. I have lo- I loved seeing Nia Allen take the court last night. Um, I s- managed to watch half that match before I had to head into Netball SA, so it was really good to see. Uh, and I agree as well. It's incredibly close, this competition. I think my key takeaway is how we jump on the fever bandwagon and think they're the team to beat and then the Vixens go and, and mess us all up with our predictions. So I think that just shows... Um, how every game needs to be played for what it is at that time. No team is untouchable at any moment. Um, and I think the Swifts and the Thunderbirds also showed that last night was that somehow, sometimes you just need to find a way to grind out a win. And I think that that's what a few teams have done in the past couple of days. And I think that's what a few teams need to look to improve over the next couple of rounds. I think there are some tired bodies out there as well. I think that's causing it to look like a grind because there's been a lot of nipple the last couple of days. Yeah, absolutely. It has been um, a tough weekend and week so far. And to think that they all have to back it up again in a couple of days' time is, yes, (laughs) a big ask, that's for sure. We'll jump into looking at the past two rounds. And in our Power 5, we saw the Swifts and the Vixens take away two from two from the past six days. Uh, The Giants and the T-Birds take two losses. And then the Firebirds, Magpies, Lightning and Fever each went one-on-one over the two rounds. I think it's fair to say that the Vixens are looking pretty good. They've seemed to have found some momentum against the right teams as well, especially against the Fever the other night. And then the Swifts, they've really bounced back and I think they're finding 
their cohesion down in the forward half, which we were a bit worried would take a little bit longer than four rounds in to get it going, despite the loss of Sam Wallace. What are we thinking here, guys? T-Birds and Giants, two losses, not a great week for them. Not a great week, but not all losses are created equal. And the T-Birds kept up and just couldn't close. I mean, they're their combined margin of loss was two goals for two matches. It, it doesn't get any closer. Um, and they really just couldn't quite close the deal in either case. Obviously, very different circumstances with a, a lead that they let slip away against the Lightning, and then they had the momentum against the Swiss and just couldn't quite fall over the line. But not all loss are critical. And the same for the Giants. I mean, they're still coming back from COVID, and to get beaten by the Vixens is... No worries at all. I mean, everyone else has done it so far. So <laughs> they would have liked to beat the Vixens, I think, but um, I wouldn't be too worried about that. The Firebirds, a bit more concerning. Yeah, Firebirds. The Firebirds took a loss to the Fever and then they beat the Giants, which is good to see them bounce back. But I do think that they were facing a Giant side who, as you say, are still feeling the effects of COVID. And I think we really saw that in the second half, in the latter stages of each half, especially towards the end of the game, is they just looked like they did, couldn't keep going. Their lung capacity was hit and they just they didn't have any legs left. And I think that's what, if a team is hit like, the Giants were with COVID. I think that's what we're going to see over the next couple of months as the competition rolls on. They've been particularly hurt by the condensed schedule to pack extra matches into that. I mean, it's the first 14 days of recovery, really, and they've played three, and it'll be four matches in the end in that 14 days. So it's really tough on them. Um, but I think across the competition, everyone's starting to hit their stride a little bit. The Lightning maybe the, the slowest team to hit their stride, but we did see them string together a pretty solid performance against the T-Birds. The Magpies have finally learned to play straight. I mean, I spoke to Richo after the loss to the Swiss and she said the thing that was killing them was that they weren't converting from turnovers and they were playing too wide and getting stuck in channels along the sideline. That just wasn't the case on Wednesday night. They finally just looked like they knew how to play straight and they could find the outlet option and it just changed everything for them. I think the addition of Naya Allen really helped that. Um, with her um, movement and yeah, she's um, a, yeah, a really good goal attack, which is something that they have um, missed over the past few seasons, not just this season. But um, yeah, to be able to put together almost a four-quarter performance is something we haven't seen from the Magpies all season and while they're... Sunshine Coast Lightning is definitely sort of a team struggling this season. Um, obviously with two heavy losses at the beginning of the yeah the beginning of the season. Um, it's a massive confidence booster considering they were missing two of their um two of their ten players. Yeah, I think before the match we were <laughs> I posted in our little group chat and said, oh no, they're going to take another loss here. And then I think it was you, Dan, that said, oh. Maybe they won't because they've got a goal attack, a specialist goal attack. They're not trying to push Garvin out to goal attack. They're, they're not taking Gabby, who's just on the, a little bit on the short side, really, against some of the taller defenders. They just look like a different team. Yeah. I just don't know why they... Yeah, I, yeah it was fast, it's fascinating to me that, that... I mean, it's one game. We can't judge a whole team and a whole season on one game, but... Um, 
she did it in 2020 why like why is she not a contracted player why is she a training partner and just brought up for these circumstances and I think that that show that connection with Shim showed you know on Wednesday night and I think that that's something that Collingwood might need to think about in the next couple of years because you've got the big talent there maybe it's worth fostering it I was just gonna say um it's gonna be yeah, an interesting few years because I believe um their shoe there's a all on a two-year contract so it's obviously not going to change next season but um if Nye is obviously still available and doesn't go to another club then in 2024 I think it is um yeah it's going to be definitely an interesting um season for the Magpies I know it's not the power five but one thing that kind of has struck me over the last couple of weeks is I know we talk about the Swiss a lot but yeah cool is doing something really funky with the wing defence position that no one else in the competition is doing it. In that most teams treat the wing defence like a mid They're small, fast, whippy, they play up and down. But what we've seen with Bryony, she's played Ali Smith at goal defence and wing defence, and she's played Maddie Turner almost a whole game at wing defence against Collingwood. She treats the wing defence position like a circle defender. Lauren Moore used to do it last year. And I think the arms over make it a totally different challenge for wing attacks. And that might be why so many teams do struggle against the Swiss because you're not playing against a mid-quarter if you're playing wing attack. You're playing against a circle defender who's got the height and the breadth to really disrupt the passing lanes. And so I'm interested to see how that evolves over the rest of the season. Yeah, definitely. I, I really enjoyed watching Ali Smith live last night. It was really impressive. Um, what she was doing in that wing defence position. And I, I think that's why I like when the T-Birds use Laddie out there at wing defence, because that's basically the same thing. You've got another circle defender out in the, out in the wing defence mid-court position, and then you've got Tilly and Shamira behind her. So I think that that, yeah, is something to watch over the next little while. And I think there's a few other teams that could look to do it. They've got some speedy, agile goal defences. We know the Vixens can do it because they've got the Diamonds wing defence playing goal defence for them in Joe Weston. And the Fever can do it with Stacey Francis-Bayman as well. So those are the two that really spring to mind as teams that could disrupt wing attacks around the league. Certainly something to watch out for. But, yes, it's been much more than a power five <laughs> reflecting on the... Uh... Power five for each round, okay, Sarah? Come on, mate. two rounds of netball. Two, <laughs> two rounds of netball. I mean, it, it was so much to cover and to think it all starts again in a day's time is just a bit much. But anyway, one thing that is going to be announced after the conclusion of this weekend's matches is the Australian Diamond squad for 2022-2023 international season. So Stacey Marinkovic will uh, announce up to 22 names um, to feature in the squad. And obviously this includes the team that will be travelling to the Com Games later in the year after this season, um, which will obviously be a reduced version of the 22. I don't think they can quite take 22 players over, but it will more than likely be between 15 to 18 weeks, suspect. Um, but this, the squad is a strong start for any fresh faces. And I think we've decided that there's about 15 players who we think are quote-unquote certainties. Um in this squad we've been wrong but before but <laughs> these are the players that have been tried and tested at the international level they're players who won the quad series earlier in the year or they're players that are returning to the fold after long-term injuries so there's also space in the squad for 
about up to seven bolters who we think we're going to come up with some names uh, of who we think could feature in that squad maybe not in the 15 certainties but in the rest of the squad who who really could if they continue to oppress over the super netball season get a call up into that com game squad which would be really exciting to see so how do we want to start this we've got 15 certainties should we cover off our certainties just so that no one thinks we've missed anyone later and you know we think is a certainty and everyone goes well, what about them so <laughs> sarah who have we settled on as our five shooters so the five goals we've gone for are Gretel Buetta, Steph Wood, Kara Conan, Sophie Garbin, and Kira Austin returning to the squad. I don't think there's any controversy in any of No, I don't think so either. I think you've got a couple of folding shooters there. You've got a couple of stellar goal attacks. And then you've got Gretel Buetta, who just seems to be able to play any part of those positions. And Stacey really loved her at goal shooter in the quad series. So we'll see if that's where she stays with the comp games. And so did we, just quietly. Yeah, just quietly. Uh, who are our mid-certainties, Ellie? So we've got, obviously, Captain Lizzie Watson, um, Ash Brazel, Paige Hadley, Jamie Lee Price, and Kate Maloney. Again, yeah, pretty uncontroversial list. They're diamond starters, regulars, you know. No one will be exactly. shocked by any of those. No, they're the ones that travelled to England earlier in the year as well, so can't expect too much change from that. Uh, and the defenders, Dan. So we, we went with basically the same group that uh, Stacey took to the quad series. Uh, Courtney Bruce, Sarah Clow, Maddie Turner, Sunday Aoyang and Joe Weston. Um, no shocks, no surprises. No, shocks. no one's going to get confused about that. But there are some spaces for some bolters and um, we've come up with these lists independently, but my guess is that given how much we agree on other stuff, we might well have the same sets of players as bolters. But Sarah, who's at the top of your bolter list? The top of my bolter list, the first name I put down was actually a bit of a shock to myself. She's a former Thunderbirds. She's now at the West Coast Fever, Fever and it is Sasha Glasgow. She has impressed me so much this season that she's actually, I mean, to be fair, I did put it shooters, defenders, and then middies at the bottom. So maybe one of the mid-quarters is more likely to feature. But I think when you're looking at backup goalers, anyone who can fill either position, really, she has played at both goal shooter and goal attack. Sasha Glasgow is one I'd love to see get into the squad, even if it's the training camps. Like that experience is so important to her development. So, yeah, she's the first one I put. But as I say, I did go shooters, defenders, and then middies. So perhaps a, a midcourt might be next. Ellie, who did you put down as your number one? Absolutely no surprises here. <laughs> Um, can I guess? Can I guess? Can we guess? Yeah. Can I guess who Ellie had? Yeah, yeah, go for it. Uh, I'm going to say Ellie's top of Ellie list was Kim Rav. Yes, yes. Yes, she was. Um, yeah, obviously very unlucky to miss last season, last year's um, Diamonds Diamond selection, um, obviously after Stella 2021. Um, but, yeah, ho hopefully she can um, break into that side. But it's a quite a strong mid-court. So it's going to be very interesting to see um, how Stacey goes. And I'm definitely um, happy that I'm not in, the, in her shoes and having to pick 22 names. Yeah, she's one who I also had down. Mm -hmm. um, 
I really do think that there needs to be a spot for her and I'm not sure who I, I think there's easily a spot for her in 22 a squad of 22 I really do think that she's had two a strong year last year and she's had a really strong start to this season as well as captain of the Firebirds and I, I just yeah the question becomes is there a spot for her in the 15? Dan did you have her down? Uh, I did have her down. Um, she was also at the top of my list. Um, and I actually, I wanted to add the mid-court backlog um, with my second pick as well, because the next name on that okay. is, was Maddie Proud, who has been on the edge of diamond selection repeatedly and was one of the most important players for the Swifts last year. The same again, starting this year. She had 37 feeds resulting in a, uh, an attempt uh, which competition record um, and when you're setting competition records with players like Liz Watson in the competition um, you're doing something right and she's got the added bonus of having that combination with Paige Hadley and with Sarah Clow and Manny Turner as well so through that midcourt she can play all three midcourt positions so that versatility is so important at Diamond's level as well. Yeah, absolutely. I'd be shocked if she's not listed in that 22, uh, up to 22 players. It's, I mean, it's tough calls and we understand that, but when players are breaking records, when players are playing consistent minutes and playing them to the level that they are, like the Swiss might have lost the first two weeks, but Maddie Proud was out there absolutely running, all guns blazing around the court, trying so hard to get her team a little bit of cohesion in the midcourt and getting it getting it down to her um, relatively fresh shooting circle. Um, it's, yeah, it's important that we are recognising that, I think, and I hope that the Australian Diamond Selectors have been watching and have been watching what we're watching because it's really impressive to watch. And I'm sure you go around again Sarah who else is on your list to well I'll in? keep going with mid-quarters I'll keep going with them um I'm not sure there's space but if there is Kelsey Brown she's another one yeah. who I think has yet yeah, started the year brilliantly as she finished last year so I just don't think that I think if there's any spots available, I'm not sure there is, but if they're in the midcourt, we've already really got five, maybe six and seven if we're including Maddie and Kim. Maybe there's a name. I don't know. <laughs> I'm going to add one more to the midcourt list. Oh, well. no. Because <laughs> I think Amy Parmenter is due. Oh, Nine midquarters? I, I, I don't think you can tell me she doesn't deserve a diamonds call up it'll be a question of when you line up all the players who deserves it the most but um she should certainly be in the mix and i think that's what a squad is about it's about having those extra players that are in the mix so if someone does go down if something happens towards the back end of this season and we don't see certain players feature there, there's clearly options there. And I think that's exactly what Amy Pomenta is. She's, yeah, a, another really strong option. And yeah, absolutely would deserve a place if she got a place. Is there space? We'll wait and see, I guess. Yeah. Did you? The big downside for Palmy is that she doesn't have the same midcourt versatility as some of the other players. She really, I know she can play centre and we see it in preseason every year, but she's really a, a wing defence. 
And when you've got Ash Braz there as a wing defence, it's a pretty hard spot to crack. At the same time that Ash Braz has returned to the international netball scene in the past year. So yeah, I reckon Ash retains that quite comfortably, but can Amy be there as the backup? Okay, speed run, non-mid-quarters. <laughs> non-mid-quarters. Non-mid-court names they want to throw out there. Go. I've got three. Um, Sarah saw one of them. So Sasha Glasgow is one. Um, M Mannix from the Vixens is the other. And I've gone for a bit of a bolter, which is probably no surprise to either of you, but I've gone to Nell Wollum. Um, not necessarily for the um, squad of 15 or however many they're taking over the con games, but I reckon um, experience in the... Um, in the squad for not only herself, but I think being able for the defenders to go up against that big-bodied midfielder, not midfield, I say it every time, big-bodied um, sort of goal shooter um, that really knows how to hold her space, sort of like a Janiel Fowler type, I think that's going to be um, very helpful for the defenders going to the Com games where there will be a few of um, those types of players. That's an interesting way of looking at it to justify Danelle's spot because justifying her spot off three games of SSN netball is, I'm not going to lie, a little bit hard to do. Gutsy, yeah. I would say. Yeah, gutsy is a good way to put it. Yeah, because there's not a lot, not a long record there. I mean, we know she played Leeds last year. Like, we know she's talented, but yes, Super Netball competition is four rounds in. It's really hard to judge where she's at. Um, However, yes, as a, another option, as a, and, and also we've already got two holding shooters. We don't need a third, do we? But in I mean, terms of They could play Garvin at goal attack. Like the <laughs> oh, that works. That really does work. We've seen it work. What do you mean? Collingwood are running with it and absolutely flying. They've won so many games with it. Um, <laughs> but the, uh, yes, Danelle to practice against would be an interesting reason to justify because she could be someone who in the next year or two does feature I also find it difficult to justify when at the start of this like at the end of last year when we were looking at player movement she didn't end up with a contract and her contract opportunity came when Ramelda Aiken George withdrew from the season for maternity leave. So I'm not sure that we can justify having someone who, yes, at the start of the year didn't hold a contract in the Diamond squad. Or four games. That may have been a mistake on the part of the Super Netball teams not to contract her. Um, But I think you're right there. Um, For me, one name who could end up in the squad as a totally different option is Tippett One. She's previously been exposed to that environment. um, And... She's coming off a fairly strong start for the T-Birds in what is a really interesting role. She's at times the undersized goal shooter. At times she's playing almost a traditional goal attack. Um, But I think having the versatility to throw something completely different at teams may be enough to interest someone like Stacey Marinkovic to take her in the squad. I think she, it was a it was a interesting call, but not that surprising off the back of her Super Netball season when she did get the call up into the squad a couple of years back. I'm I'm not sure she's quite done enough so far this year to see a, a feature. I just think that the T Birds have been at times 
a lot stronger with Georgie in a goal attack. And I'm not sure that that tip of cohesion yet with Lenny is sort of, although in saying that she does have the cohesion with Gretel Buetta. So when we're looking and at. Doesn't need to play with Lenny Potgieter at Diamond's level. In fact, no, exactly. And exactly. And, and that's the, that's the point is that yet yeah, she's not quite got that uh, working relationship in the mid uh, in the goal circle with Lenny yet, but she does have, has shown in the past that she's got it with the Gretel. So, Hey, Gretel's the one in the diamond side. Maybe, maybe that is a spot for um, Tipper. Do we have any defenders other than M Mannix? It's a pretty tough maybe group to crack. Mm. Um, I think part of the problem is it's a tough group to, to crack. It's pretty established. There's a lot of versatility. Kim Jenner was really next mm. in line, um, but has not been good this season. Um, Tara Hinchliffe is coming off a major injury, so she's probably not booked herself a spot just yet. Ruby Bakeldoran has is just too fresh, I think. Um, Jackie Newton, also too fresh. I mean, who, who's jumping up and down to demand a spot in the defensive end? They're, they're fresh, Ruby Bakeldoran especially. However, Sophie Dwyer got a call up into the squad last season off the back of one season. But I think also Dwyer also got a call up because the established goal attack was missing and that Kira Austin is was the presumed goal attack at the time of her injury. And but if we're looking at... Yeah, but if we're looking at an additional seven, you're not exactly going to have five additional mid-quarters and two additional shooters, no additional defenders in a in a squad of 22. So I, I definitely think there's a spot for one or two. Maybe it is M Mannix. Maybe it is RBD. It'll be interesting. I mean, the, the other thing that the defenders really have in spades is versatility. I mean, realistically... All five of them could play goal defense. Yep. Three or four of them could play goalkeeper. I mean, you've got a couple of wing defense options if you want to push them out and create even worse for midcourt jam. Like they've got so much coverage and they're really, I mean, they're some of the best in the world. Yeah, exactly. And they they kept England and New Zealand and uh South Africa to losses. Uh, on the in their quad series and they they sort of while we were excited and shocked by the front end for the diamonds in Gretel Buetta playing at goal shooter I think equally we were um super pleased and ex just excited to see players like Sunday Ariane get their go for the uh at the defensive end for the diamonds so I think there's plenty of options there it'll be interesting to see how the the selection goes from um, Stacey Marinkovic and the other selectors for the 22 or up to 22. Yep. We'll jump into previewing round five. Uh, it's only a couple days after round four finished and it all begins on Saturday afternoon, of course, Easter weekend as well. We all can't believe that we're writing another four match reports this weekend. <laughs> um, yes, netball. I'm shocked at how the netballers are still going. Anyway, Ellie, back on the pod, your your choice first this week. Which game would you like to preview? So I am going to take 
the um, Giants v Magpies at Ken Rosewall Arena on the Saturday night. Um, so weird to think we have Saturday night netball back again, but that's beside the point. Um, so yeah, I definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to this clash. Obviously, um, Nair Allen will be back this week with Gabby Singler and Sophie Carbon still out. Um, we saw how much of an impact she made um, against who is a, a pretty good defender in Tara Hingecliffe. Um, so she'll be coming up against a combination more than likely of April Branley and then maybe Lauren Moore thrown into there, pending no injuries or no more COVID. Um, and then, yeah, at the other end, you've got um, uh, England, England Roses battle between um, Joe Harton and Jeeva Mentor, although Jeeva Mentor probably hasn't been at her best this season. Um, and so, yeah, that's going to be interesting. Um but one thing I'm really looking forward to is that mid-court battle you've got. We saw how great of a game Kelsey Brown had yesterday and she's coming up against probably one of the, although she's coming off um, COVID, probably one of the best wing defences in the comp in Amy Parmenter. So both um, speed players. And if you give Amy Parmenter an inch, she's going to absolutely run with it. So um, Kelsey will have a huge job on her hands to um, almost nullify her impact while still doing her job on the day. And then, yeah, it's going to be a tough match. Um, obviously, well, it's a four or five day break um, for the Giants and four for the Magpies. So tight turnaround. Um, luckily for the Giants, they're back at home. Um, they're staying at home. So obviously they're still... Um, Coming off COVID, so I think for the Giants, they need to get their um, sort of connection back. Tilly McDonald said last week in the post-match that um, the COVID's forced them to sort of be disjointed, so they need to get their groove back um, and not so much rely on Joe Hart and Sophie Dwyer to take those super shots to, um, yeah, get them back in the game like they did on Tuesday night. So, yeah, what do you guys think of this game? I mean, I know we said that Jeeva's not been at her best, but I'm not sure that Joe Harton's been at her best this season. It just feels like she's not been quite as effective as we've become used to over the last couple of years, and you know, particularly last year. Um, but at the same time, Sophie Dwyer hasn't been as effective as she was last year, and it does sort of concern me that the Giants have struggled with that. But if there was a defensive end I was happy to go up against... The Magpies are close to the top of the list because it hasn't been a great defensive performance from them this season, aside from against a disappointing and underwhelming Lightning team so far. Yeah, it's going to be an interesting one. I, I think that we didn't predict the Giants would be in the spot they are, but COVID has obviously changed their circumstances at the start of this season, whereas the Magpies, we weren't exactly expecting huge things from them, especially early on. Um, and I just think that they kind of need to take another win here and really sort of take that momentum forward. And I think the Giants coming off, oh, my goodness, just four or five days off and playing three games in a matter of a week is just such a tough ask off the back of having so many out with COVID. And that disjointedness also comes from not being at training together, not playing together, not being in the same areas as each other. 
like sure you can keep up a bit of fitness at home but it's nothing compared to throwing balls on the net for court and sort of yeah keeping that cohesiveness up and I think they've also had some changes this year they've got a relatively different bench from last season obviously except for Matisse so it's a bit challenging for them to find that consistency at this time and I think that the Magpies might be able to take another win here that's who I'm picking actually I'll say Magpies if the Magpies do win and if Naya Allen performs well, we could have another Riley Samerson situation where really we got to the point last year where any time there was a Vixens player under a cloud, we knew that Samerson was coming in because she'd been dominant and it worked. I wonder if Allen does the same, whether we're going to see that again this weekend. And I mean, the, the only problem is for the Magpies that they've got two years of contracts for Sinclair and Garvin and Nelson. So we could be seeing two years of Nia Allen jump up anytime there is a selection change, um, which is going to be an interesting quandary for them. But Nia Allen certainly looked much more at home in goal attack than Sophie Garvin has, than Sh- you know, than Gabby Sinclair has. She looked like she had a better combo with Shimon and Nelson than either of the others who have. Um, and, and I know that that's partly helped by they played really well and they played against a lighting defence that has struggled. Um, it's not like they did it against the Fever's defence who, you know, have eaten everyone alive. But it does really cause me concern for the Magpies that Allen looked like the best solution at goal attack and she's not a permanent one. Yeah, that's... a. Uh... Big red flashing light, that one. Uh, you know, here, here's a sound the alarms. Like, this is what you had sitting there. You know, you've known about this talent that's sitting there. Um, and instead you went elsewhere and she's just shown up in round four and absolutely blitzed it. So what do you do? <laughs> but I, th- I think the magpies need to make the most of it. And also, I mean, the thing that might play for the Magpies long-term, talk more about play movement later, but there aren't exactly goal attack spots going up for grabs around the league. So they might get to keep an eye Allen for another year by virtue of everyone being contracted more than anything else. Yep. They might be lucky, though, to achieve that. We'll, we'll see what happens. Who are you to be in this one, Giants or Magpies? Magpies. Giants. I, just <laughs> I was waiting for that. The further away, the further away we get from COVID, the better they're going to be. And Naya Allen. I mean, we know she's talented, but um, April Brandley is not someone I'd be looking forward to going up against if I was a young goal attack. So I think that could play a part as well. Yeah, absolutely. And as you mentioned, Ellie, that. Uh, Kelsey Brown, Amy Pimenta, Jamie Lee Price in the middle as well. That whole mid-court battle is going to be so telling. Yeah, hey, and Braz as well. I mean, that that could be an interesting one as well to watch. Plenty of matchups in that one. Uh, I got to pick next, and I've selected the Lightning versus Vixens, the first game on Saturday to open round five, and... I think it's safe to say that I could comfortably pick the Vixens here, but I did just say earlier in this podcast that we have to play every game on its merit. So it's going to be a big matchup. Katie and Dehaney revenge game coming here. 
I mean, that's one way to look at it. Love that. I love when they do <laughs> when uh, players come back up against the uh, the team they used to play for. They seem to just have a bit more fire in their belly for those ones, and they also have a lot of intel. Unfortunately, Lightning could use that. that. However, the Kira Austin was not around last year (laughs) when Katie Ann Dehaney was at the Vixens. Um, Neither was, well, Ronnie Summerson was kind of in and out of the team. I think even, yeah, the Lightning have seen so many changes that I'm not sure that the there's that much consistency for the two teams to sort of be able to use between them. So um, it's going to be an interesting one. I think the matchups in the middle, as again, are going to be interesting, depending on where the Lightning decide to line up. Those con- those contests with Watson, Maloney, and then Kate Eddy in wing defence as well is going to be super interesting to see how the lightning decide to attack those we've seen a bit of rotation just quietly kate eddie is putting together a spectacular season in wing defense for the vixens the stats are not showing it but they show it in her opposition players i mean her her opposition wing attacks are well down every time they step out in the court against her and she's not getting the fanfare but she's playing like a star at the moment Absolutely. And we're enjoying watching it. That's for sure. I, I do love a quiet achiever, uh, especially in that wing defense position and, and the way she is able to nullify basically. Yeah, she's not getting that much of her own, um, you know, deflections, points, whatever, like miss and net points, whatever we want to go off. Um, but she's keeping her opposition to none as well. She's basically removing them. If there was a stat for leads covered, she'd be leading it by the length of the netball court. <laughs> yep, she she's all over her opposition. So, yeah, going to be an interesting one. I'm going to tip Vixens, but anyone game enough to tip Lightning? Please don't hit us, Ariana, but no. <laughs> no, yeah, no. Nope, no way. Uh, <laughs> next up, Dan, who are you picking? Um, uh, I want to watch the Fever again. Um, I have to say, I have been really enjoying watching them and seeing how they they are different every week. Under Dan Ryan, he is throwing something different out there every single time the team gets out there. Part of that's COVID and they've had to. But the way that they are evolving as the season goes makes it really exciting. And if there's one goalkeeper in the league who could really rattle an 18-year-old shooter. Courtney Bruce is pretty high on that list. Um, so I think that's a really tough ask for Sophie Forms, who has received a full-time contract. But that's the matchup that I'm looking forward to. I think the mid-court matchup is going to be quite even because um, there's both a lot of talent across both and the circles are going to be how the match is decided. Absolutely. Clow, Shala, that's going to be an interesting one. Do they go with Clow in there or does Prani put Turner back there? I could see them playing Toss, Tegan O'Shaughnessy down there because O'Shaughnessy really disrupted Shimon Nelson because she's got the elevation and the height. She's got this monstrous reach and 
Nelson is similar to Fowler in the sense that she holds weights for kind of that back feed to go high and in and almost drop in the bread basket. And O'Shaughnessy forced seven or eight turnovers um, in a quarter against Nelson and basically put her on the bench. So that could be a nice little weapon to go to, but it's a trial by fire for a 19-year-old. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> she was uh, running extras last night. The poor training partners running extras and they were joined by oh. Kelly and Tegan. It was just like, you poor things. It's nine o'clock Tegan, at night. Tegan has run extras at almost every match so far because she doesn't get a lot of core time. But I think the way that the Swifts are going to uh, frustrate Diva and really get on is actually not going to be in the goal circle. I think the reason they'll play O'Shaughnessy is also to push someone like Maddie Turner out to wing defence and bother Alice Teagneald. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, Teagneald is, is what we know as a shooter. Um, put a circle defender on her, see how she likes it. Um, she's gotten kind of used to being the bigger body going around the midcourt. So um, throw a, a bigger, harder body with long arms at her, I reckon it's a way to go. Yeah, that is interesting. Basically taking a goal circle matchup that we've seen in the past couple of years and putting it out in the midcourt, that'll be interesting. <laughs> uh, it's it's going to be an interesting match. I think, um, yeah, I'd be really intrigued to see if Tegan does get the nod and jump in there at goalkeeper or even at times throughout the game, see if she can rattle Fowler. But, yes, that. Fawns versus Bruce combo could be interesting. Um, I mean, Shamira did a good job on her last night and I thought that Sophie did lose a little bit of confidence and sort of it did get a bit, um, it, she did get beaten in the first quarter, but it's okay when you've got Helen House. Be <laughs> but um, also, Shamira Sterling's a special case and she blocks shots like nobody else. Exactly. Um, and, and I know Courtney Bruce likes to go for the flyer, but the flyer tends to be on the feed rather than on the shot most of the time from Bruce. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, uh, goodness me, that shot from Sophie Fawns is just so fluid and just beautiful to watch the way she rocks back and pops it up and her follow-through as well. Um, yeah, really impressive from an 18-year-old. Yeah. On the wrist. <laughs> exactly. And Sarah, the last matchup of the weekend. Battle of the Birds. We've got the Firebirds and Thunderbirds going up against each other on uh, Easter Sunday later in the afternoon. Um, so once you've eaten all your chocolate, you can settle down and watch the uh, last match of the round, which then we get a break for a week. So won't lie, might be looking forward to that. Wow, um, a whole week break. <laughs> I know, unheard of. <laughs> um, but this one's it's going to be interesting because the Thunderbirds really have to bounce back but equally the Firebirds are a really tough team to come up against when you want to bounce back I think they've already shown this season that they are quite the force that we almost didn't expect they'd be but here we are talking about them beating the Giants um, obviously they went down to the fever but they did pick up a win against the Lightning, a very convincing win against the Lightning. Um, and sitting at, what is it, two and two, they're pretty well placed. Um, and both the teams are at two and two. So 
hey, one of them's going to be ahead of the ledger at the end of the weekend. And I, I don't know whether Tipper coming up against her old side could help the Thunderbirds in that she's a bit more familiar with the likes of Kim Jenner and just that movement in the circle could be a bit different or going back up to Nissan Arena or is that more of a challenge? Is she going to get... Um, her confidence take a hit. I, I don't know. Um, I thought that last night Georgie in goal attack was a lot better option for the Thunderbirds. And I just fear that Tipper at goal attack isn't quite working at the moment. And if she's not playing goal attack at the start, does she, um, do, do they sort of have that intel and that sort of additional spark I guess to be able to battle with the Firebirds but Firebirds have been impressive I think is the best way to put it um and it's yes an interesting game any matchups we're looking forward to other than the the mid-court battle um because the T-Birds mid-court has been rejuvenated this year Maisie Nankerville, Elle McDonald, Hannah Petty and Georgie Hordress in wing attack have looked really good it's been fresh. They've been ball hunting. They've been aggressive. They haven't given away too many penalties, though, which has been nice. But Gab Simpson has a new lease on life. Kim Rav is going incredibly well. And Lara Dunkley's been a revelation this year as well. So this mid-court battle is not maybe as high-profile as some of the other mid-court battles across the weekend, <laughs> Collingwood Giants. <laughs> but um, it is going to be just as exciting to watch, I think. Could be high profile when Kimmy Rav gets a call up to the diamond squad after it. Uh, <laughs> but it's, uh, it's... It's still one diamond versus... I mean, we made the argument for five diamonds. Yes. Four diamonds in the other matchup. <laughs> that was very true. Um, I think that that's going to be really interesting. I thought the Thunderbirds did okay at times in the midcourt against the Swiss midcourt, but um, that's an incredibly... Uh, fruitful diamonds midcourt as well so it's really hard to to judge it based off that I thought that they they had to use the rotations a bit much last night and that sort of brought them undone because they lost their um, cohesion on court they lost their fluid fluency through from the defensive end to the attacking end because they did get so many turnover balls and it was so important that they converted, but they just kept losing it in the midcourt. Someone who needs to calm down on the transitions is Hannah Petty. And I think this could be key to them actually being able to get the intercepts with Shamira and then get it down to Lenny to shoot it because there was too many times last night where the ball was thrown cross court and completely out of court way out of the player's reach um and cross court into a, a one-on-one matchup where the Vanderbilt's player was clearly behind and was never going to get the ball so I just thought that decision making on transition was below what it had been in the first two weeks last night well it's something we talked about even of team girls cup is we said that when they took half a beat after the turnover to get set up the T-Birds looked incredibly good. They were fast and, and they caught up that. I, I know that that half second costs you initially because it does give your opposition half a second to get into position. But if you take the beat and then move the ball with crisp precision all the way down the court, it's so much better than just flinging it down the other end. And, you know, there are a couple of times last night where they came close to giving away a penalty for over a third. 
Good plug for the pod. <laughs> um, Sorry, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> it was incredibly frustrating at times to see the work of Laddie and Jamira go completely like it, it just got thrown away, like literally thrown into the crowd away. Literally. It, like quite literally thrown away. Um, and it was frustrating for fans as frustrating for players as well it was super frustrating for Shamira and Laddie because they were putting in so much work to get intercepts on Helen and to pick off balls and it was just yeah, unrewarded was tearing her hair afterwards. but one match up that we haven't spoken about yet well I've kind of hinted at it with the Thunderbirds defense but Dan your matchup of the round it comes from this game it does, and it's Shamir versus Danelle because that is main event money worth viewing <laughs> right there. <laughs> Who cares about the no, kidding. We do care about the other six matchups on court, but that is the blockbuster event. I mean, that's the, the form goalkeeper against one of the form goal shooters. And it's one of the stone attempts that Danelle has faced so far, and it does have me a little bit worried because last week, Olivia Lewis did play really well against Danelle and it was because she had that vertical to get up directly and get a challenge for that ball and I mean that's what we know Shamira Sterling for more than anything else is that vertical reach that vertical disruption um, and she could really upset Danelle um, but also Danelle has a great hold and if she's strong enough to hold Shamira out of it she could totally nullify Shamira so it will be really interesting to see who gets on top. And my tip is that neither of them get on top. I think they're going to come out having split the points with Shamira having a couple intercepts, a couple of deflections, and Danielle having 38, 40-odd goals. Um, both will hold their heads up high, but I think it's going to be worth watching. I am so excited to watch this one. I think that um, Danelle is just an exciting player to watch. And then I love watching Shamira play. Um, Her hops is something else. The way she jumped onto the table and table surf last night, like (laughs) she can just do it all. Did a great job in the goal circle when she was actually on court, um, jumping up and getting over the shot and also getting up to um, contest the ball against the likes of Sophie Fawns and Helen Houseby. And I think that, against Danelle she's going to have to use that leap because as you say Danelle is an incredible holding presence she she really does hold her space very well and we've seen that in the first few weeks but Shamira is going to be the one to bring it all undone maybe <laughs> I don't know when Danelle doesn't look like she gets frustrated much on court mm. um but neither does Helen Houseby and Helen Houseby looked a bit miffed at times last night so if you're a goalkeeper getting under the skin of Ice Queen Helen Housby, it'll be a really good challenge for Danelle to stay in the game and not kind of get frustrated and get emotional about that because she hasn't done it yet so far, but Shamira does have that special ability to frustrate players because she just block shots left, right and centre. I wish I was sitting down with Danny, our, photo- our expert photographer last night, because she had prime viewing and perfect spot to hear all the comments being thrown from in between the matchups oh my goodness there was some fiery words spoken between the girls last night and uh I think the telecast I think the broadcast caught a bit of it but uh being there live would have been something else 
Yeah, I mean, Sarah Cloud and Lenny Bokita definitely aren't catching up for coffee after that matchup <laughs> last night. But that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. That was a uh, yeah, tense battle, <laughs> that one. Um, and, yeah, certainly across the court as well, there was plenty of comments, Danny said, between the players and getting quite frustrated and quite, uh, yes, unhappy with each other. But it was, uh, yeah, it was really, it will be a really good matchup uh, and one I'm definitely keen to see. Who wins out of the Firebirds and the Thunderbirds? I mean, you know my answer, so I'm just <laughs> Ben, all right, you're going to have to split Sarah it because I'm going birds. Thunderbirds. <laughs> She's going Firebirds. Split it. Um, I think it's going to be the Firebirds. I have a little bit more trust in their midcourt to stay calm at the end. I think when we look at the difference, the goal shooters are both top of the range. I think the goal attacks are both good. Defensive ends are both good. It's that midcourt and how calm they stay at the end of the match. It cost the light at uh, the Thunderbirds twice against the Lightning and the Swifts, and if it gets really close, I could see it costing it a third time. One point game. <laughs> I'm gonna have a heart attack. Uh, hey, if it's one point, I would. I won't mind it at all because it'll be third time, surely third time lucky for a one point win this time for the Thunderbirds, surely. If the group chat is spicy, we will share the screenshots on the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I'm more than likely going to be watching this game on my phone now that it's on Easter lunch. I don't know um, how long I'll be out for, but I'm sure I'll be end up watching it on my phone somewhere. So I won't have access to the group chat. <laughs> oh, you're hiding, way. Ellie. She's <laughs> <laughs> <Just> scared. <laughs> um, no, it's going to be a great matchup. <laughs> No, I'm 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 confident that Thunderbirds first away trip. I'm feeling good about it. The, the one other key that I, I would like to point out is that midcourt could stay more consistent and stronger if Georgie stays out there and Tipper is firing a goal attack. I think if that combination stays, I think that could be a turning point. But anyway, we'll leave it there. Okay. <laughs> Basically, we're saying it's the notorious RBD against the returning Firebird. In Tipper. Yes, exactly. I think that... Tipper Cup. Tipper Cup. Oh. Very soon, we're going to have cups for every game here. And multiple cups, actually, <laughs> for some games. Because, yeah, there's plenty of uh, plenty of player movement at the end of last year. Um. I think that does it for this week. It feels like we've just been talking about netball for about 10 days straight, but by the end of this weekend, it will certainly have been that and more. Um, but it just keeps on rolling and uh, we'll get into a round five review next week and jump into round six. Is it just six? Yes, thank goodness. We get a few weekends of just weekends and not midweeks as well. Um, this has been Over a Third Podcast. You can find us on Twitter and Instagram at Over a Third Pod. And you can find all of our match reports and features on the Super Netball and upcoming Diamond Squad announcement on edgeofthecrowd.com. Thank you for listening and we'll be back next week. <laughs>